Welcome to The Heart Zone, featuring George Cannon. This broadcast is a time of teaching and encouragement from Kerwinsville Christian Church. For more information, we invite you to visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. And now for a message from The Heart Zone. Here's George Cannon. Folks, it's Christmas, and today I thought that I would do something a little unusual. I, I, you know, there are a lot of different passages in the Bible that refer to the birth of Jesus. They're not necessarily to traditional ones, where you have Mary going to Bethlehem, having a child that the Gospels would tell you. But there are other books of the Bible that refer to it along theological perspectives. For instance, Philippians chapter 2 talks about the humility of Jesus in coming as a child and why he did that. But there's another passage that I think is going to probably amaze you that it refers to what we're celebrating today. And it's found in the book of Revelation. Usually when we think of the book of Revelation, we usually think in terms of what's coming for the future and what's going to happen in the future. We have no concept sometimes that it talks about things that have already happened, especially when it comes to the issue of Jesus Christ. So we're going to talk about it today. Now you're saying, okay, George, you mean we came here for a Christmas message to hear about Jesus, and you're going to talk about Revelation. That just doesn't sound like Christmas. Well, I want you to understand the greater story of Christmas. I want you to understand that it was part of a bigger story of what's yet to happen. A bigger story with key components and key characters, key individuals, key people groups that are involved. And the reality is, is that, here, are you ready for this? You're involved in that story too. We often don't think of it in terms of that. So if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Revelation chapter 12. If you have a Bible, you're not sure where that is, it's the last book of the New Testament. It's the very last book of your Bible. And we're just going to look at the first six verses. There are actually more verses involved with this section, but we're just going to look at the first six because I think the first six help us get perspective of why we celebrate Christmas. Okay, Why Christmas is so significant why the coming of Christ is so significant. And hopefully you'll understand and then you'll grasp your part in the story. Okay? Your part in the story. So notice with me chapter 12. John, the apostle, writes, Now a great sign appeared in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a garland of twelve stars. Then being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain, gave birth. Another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon with seven heads and seven horns and seven diadems on his heads. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. She bore a male child who was to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. 
and her child was caught up to God and his throne. Then the woman fled into the wilderness where God has a place prepared, where she has a place prepared by God that they should feel that they should feed her 1,260 days. Here's what we're going to do, folks. We're going to take this section and we're going to look at what theologians call the personages of this passage. And we're going to divide it up into, first of all, we're going to talk about the woman. You're going to be surprised who the woman is and who she's not. Okay? And then we're going to talk about the enemy, the enemy of our souls, the enemy of Jesus, the enemy who's very real to you and I. And then we're going to talk about the child. And we all know who the child is, right? Because that's what we're celebrating is Christmas. And then I'm going to give you some thoughts for you to kind of wrestle with. So let's talk about the woman. Notice with me, verse 1. It's an interesting, illusionary view of who she is here. It's a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and her head a garland of 12 stars. Here's what I want you to see, is that the woman Israel would suffer much. See, this is part of the bigger story. If you have to understand Christmas, we like to have things in compartments. We like to think of Christmas as in December. We like to think of Easter. It's either in March or April. And we don't draw the connection between the two sometimes because they're two different celebrations in our minds because we compartmentalize everything. But the reality is is they're all part of a one big story and the one big story concerns are you ready for this it's not the united states it's concerning israel that's really what the bible is about the bible is about the story of one big people group israel and so john in his vision sees a woman now you would assume that you thought oh, well the woman must be married no no that's not the point here the point is it's a greater perspective here it's a woman who's israel and the problem is if you look at her is that she's ready to give birth and she's in much pain we understand what that means because we see it happening even to this day israel suffers much I mean, think about it for a moment. You know, if you're, if you're a student of history, you know, when I was younger and a teenager and in school, I loved history. If there's any people group in the world that has had a history of suffering, it's Israel. It's the Jews. In fact, I'll be honest with you, if you talk to Jews today, they memorialize their sufferings. Their, their sufferings and the things that they have endured in this world are memorials to them. They remember their suffering. It's, it's, it's something that they lift up because it recognizes who they are as a people. And that's who Israel is. Israel is a people who is suffering. They're suffering even to this day. You say, well, I don't, I don't think so, George, because they got a pretty strong army. No, no, they still suffer around the world. It's happening. In fact, I think it's interesting. If you look at the news, this is what's happening around the world. Around the world, anti-Semite viewpoints are rising up and getting stronger, even here in the U.S. And this people group suffers. Now, here's the second thing I want you to see about the woman. Here's the thing. Israel expected the promised child. 
She was expecting. The, the description here is of a woman who is ready to give birth. And with a woman who's ready to give birth, there's the anticipation of that event coming and the pregnancy being overing and the suffer, suffering being over. And there's that anticipation of a child, a special child. For Israel, that special child is the Messiah, the Deliverer, the Savior. You say, well, George, that, that's already happened. That's with Jesus. Yes, and they don't see that. They're blind to that. They don't grasp that. At one point, they will be able to understand that. They will be able to see that. But right now, they don't. But they have this expectation, and they still, even to this day, have an expectation of a deliverer, of someone who will lift them out of their misery, of someone who will, will, will vanquish all of their enemies and who will rule over them. So Israel expected a child. Now we see the second person in the story. The enemy. Look with me at verse 3. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great fiery red dragon having seven heads and ten horns and seven diadems on his heads. It's a dragon. A little bit later in Revelation, it tells us that the red dragon, the old dragon, is Satan himself. Here's what I want you to see. This, the enemy is Satan and his fallen angels. Now, let me just stop for a moment, because I think this is where we have a struggle for us in our modern world and our scientific thinking. We, we really want to comprehend everything that we can see. I mean, everything has to be physical with us. If we, if it's real to us if we can touch it, if we can feel it, if we can smell it, or, you know, like those, all those cookies in the back, if we can taste it, right? But here's the problem. If you ask most people today, they don't believe in Satan. Or if they have a concept of Satan, it's not very big, it's not very real to them, because in our culture, can we be honest with you, we trivialize Satan. Satan is the guy in a Super Bowl commercial who sits at a coffee shop with a guy enticing somebody to sign away his life so he can get a real nice car. <coughs> then the guy sees that the car is available on special, so he doesn't need to sign away his life. I mean, that's the concept we have of Satan. Satan is somebody that we see in these little sitcom television shows on the different cable stations who normal human beings battle in their mystical world. But he's not like that. He's a dragon. He's fierce. He's seeking whom he can devour. He's real. He's the enemy of your souls. He's the enemy of your families. He's trying to destroy your life. He's trying to destroy your family. He's trying to destroy your kids. He's real. He's real. And here we see that he's trying to devour the child. In fact, that's the next point I want you to see here. The enemy sought to kill the child. Scripture records that, you know. It's with the story of celebration of Christmas that we remember that King Herod had, what, all of the boy ch child children killed from two years and under? to try to eradicate the possibility of someone rising up to usurp his throne? That's Satan, ultimately. 
Satan had a, pl- had a part in killing Jesus on the cross, but God had the last word, didn't he, in raising Jesus from the dead. It was part of his plan. The enemy sought to kill the child, but couldn't do it. He can't do it. Here's the other thing we're going to see now. We're going to see next the third personage here, and that's the child, Jesus. We all know who he is. Look with me. Very interesting. Verse 5, she bore a male child who was to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. That's a messianic statement there. And her child was caught up to God and his throne. Two things I want you to see here about the child. Israel brought forth the Messiah. The Messiah, the Deliverer, the Savior. Israel brought forth, out of Israel came Jesus. And he would rule the nations with a rod of iron. You say, well, he's not ruling right now. No, but one day he will. And when he rules, it'll be a thousand years of peace. It won't be any of this fear and wondering what's going on, the economic collapse and, and, and all of these different things that we're afraid of. It'll be King Jesus on the throne. He's the deliverer, the Messiah. Terrorism will cease. Wars will cease. Sickness will cease. Isn't that awesome? The one that who will hopefully deliver all of us has been born already. And that's what we celebrate when we celebrate Christmas. We don't just celebrate a child. Allow Jesus to be more than just the child, folks. Allow Jesus to be your redeemer. To be your hope. The one that you cling to. Allow him to be that real to you and I. Allow him that place in, his, in your life. Here's the other thing he points out, and we already know that this has happened, is that the Messiah Jesus ascended to heaven. The Messiah Jesus ascended to heaven. We see that in the Gospels. We see that in the book of Acts in the very first chapter. That after he had been with them after the death... <coughs> After his death for several weeks, he took them onto a mountain and he ascended into heaven and and was told that in like manner he would return. So he's there, sitting in the right hand of the Father right now. And I think it's wonderful. When you look at that, there's, there's something you're missing here, especially when you read this, is that he's sitting in the throne room of God on the right hand of the Father. What's he doing there? First John says he intercedes for who? Yeah, you. Stop for a moment. Let that sink in, okay? All right, I know it's Christmas. Everybody's had a wonderful time. You're going to get stuffed and have a good nap this afternoon, right? Okay, at least I am, all right? Now, but think about the rest of the week or the rest of the month. Think about the month that you just had. How many of you wrestle in the isolation of your loneliness because you're going through something and nobody else understands what you're going through. Nobody understands the pain that you feel. Nobody understands the hurt that you carry. Nobody understands the burden you have. How many of you wrestle with the burden of when you do wrong? That's a burden, isn't it? The guilt, the shame of that. 
Here's the reality. The reality of the picture of the gospel is, is this child that we celebrate is the one who sits on the right hand of the Father right now interceding for you and I. What's that? He's talking to God about you. And the conversation isn't like this. Do you believe what they did? That's not the way it is. He's pleading with the Father for you. I died for them. I gave my life for them. They're our children. Sound awesome? We see that these three personages have these involvement here, but that the story doesn't end with Christmas. And I guess this is why I want to bring it to some sort of perspective for you and I as far as our part in the greater story. This is where we get to what our part is. Because we've seen the woman, which is Israel. We've seen the enemy, which is Satan and his demons. And we've seen the child, Jesus. So I want to stop for a moment and help you to understand that what Christmas does is gives us, it should be giving us a perspective about the future. And we see that in verse 6. Look with me. Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared by God that they should feed her there 1,260 days. Here's what I want you to see about the future. Number one, Israel is being protected by God. Israel is being protected by God. Okay, let's stop for a moment. We talked about Israel, the suffering that it's gone through and all of the terrible things that have happened even in the last hundred years. You think about the Holocaust that the Jews experienced. Have you noticed that even in the midst of all of the, of the, of the stuff that has happened to them and many who have given their lives among the Jewish people, they're still here? They're still here? When you look back in the 60s at, at the wars that they had there, the Yom Kippur War and so forth, they were faced in insurmountable odds and they still overcame. Why? They'll tell you why. God protected them. God's protecting them. We need to understand that. He's protecting them. Why? Because he has a plan for them. Because at some point, at some point in the future, they're going to realize who Jesus is and come to salvation. Do you understand? Paul talked about that in Romans chapter 9, 10, 11 about the future hope when their partial blindness will be taken away and they'll see. Israel has a future plan. God's protecting them. And here's what I want you to see. Israel would experience peace in the first half of the tribulation. See, it talks there, it's interesting, why in the world does this passage mention 1,260 days? Well, if you figure that out, you would realize that that is three and a half years. Three years, six months. So it's talking about God protecting them specifically over a period. Now, what, what's so specific about that period? Well, we know from the book of Revelation, also from Daniel, that that final time that tribulational period is a seven-year period. And so in the first half of that period, Israel is going to experience peace like it's never experienced before. Let's just stop for a moment. Can, can anybody tell me if Israel's experiencing peace right now? No, they aren't. Now, let's stop for a moment. Have you noticed, you know, as, as we 
draw the close to a one presidency and start start another presidency. Uh, there's the lamenting from one. It's always happens with every administration that they weren't able to bring peace to where the Middle East, and specifically with one nation, Israel, because everybody is trying to find what? Peace there. In fact, we're not the only ones trying to find peace. I remember one time on a trip to Asia reading about the premier of China being involved in the process to be the one to bring peace to Israel. Isn't that interesting? The world wants to bring peace to the Middle East. But they're going to have it. How's that going to happen? In the future, there'll be somebody who'll bring peace. And when he brings peace then begins this period of seven years and then judgment and then the return of Jesus. Now you say, okay, George, what does that have to do with us? Because this is where we're going to wrap up. What does all of this have to do with me? I mean, I'm thinking about ham. I'm thinking about gravy and mashed potatoes. I'm thinking about candy. Like, I understand there's cookies in the back, but I've got cookies at home that I'm going to enjoy. I'm thinking about all of that. Why this prophecy lesson? What's the deal? Well, the deal is, is I want you to understand that when we celebrate Christmas, listen to me, when we celebrate Christmas, we're actually celebrating something more than just a birth. Do you understand what I'm saying? You're celebrating something more than just a birth of a baby. You're celebrating a greater plan. Do you understand what I'm saying? You're celebrating the redemption of our world through Christ. You're celebrating the possibility of salvation for others who don't know Christ. You're celebrating the future when Jesus Christ will come back and set all things right. Don't we want that to happen? For him to set it all right? So what do we do here? Well, here's the first question I want you to understand. Here's what I want you to grasp. Do you lose track of the greater reality? That's the first one you've got to ask yourself. Do you lose track of the greater reality? Not just for Christmas, but in your everyday part of life. See, here's the thing. It's real easy, I know how it is, to get wrapped up in the things that you have to do. You know, right on, on my tablet here, and on my smartphone, I've got a wonderful program called Wonderlist. And it's my brain. As I've gotten older, I can't remember any things any, anymore. I need a Wonderlist for names, Okay because I'm bad with names, but I, ha I need to have a wonder list. And so Lori now says to me, put it in your phone to tell me the things that I need to do. Because I get so wrapped up in the stuff that I have to do, I lose perspective of everything else that is the greater reality. Here's the thing, folks. We can get so wrapped up in Christmas celebrations and trips and work and friends and hobbies and everything that we lose perspective of a greater reality that's going on around us, that there's a cosmic reality of God bringing about his plan. 
And that this celebration of Christmas is just one part of it. Jesus' birth is just one part of it, that one day he's coming back. So the question is this. Do you lose track of the greater reality? I think the answer for all of us is what? Yeah, we do, don't we? So here's the heavy question. Here's the question that I want you to think about. And I'll tell you what it means. Do you see your part in the story? Do you see your part in the story? Now, you say, wait a minute, George, hold on a second. Okay, I just read this passage. I'm reading through these six verses. I see the woman, which is Israel. I see the dragon, which is Satan, and the stars that fell with him, which are his demons. I see the male child. Okay, what's my I don't see my part here. Well, I'm going to stop for a moment. You're the fourth personage here in these verses. Oh, you say, I don't, I don't, I don't see that. Here, here, let me help you. Sometime in the future, Jesus is coming back. Sometime in the future, peace will come, as it's saying here. Sometime in the future, the events will happen, and ultimately Jesus Christ comes back. But until that time, until that time, the story is about you. The story is about you. What do you mean, me? Until that time, because we know what's coming in the future, because when Jesus comes back, folks, will people have an opportunity to get saved when Jesus comes back? No. Until that time, the story is about you proclaiming who? Jesus. See, you've got a part in the story. You say, well, wait a minute, George, you know, I'm not in the Middle East. I'm in Clearfield County. In fact, I don't leave the county. I know there's a few of you who never do. That's fine. But God puts you here to reach the county. Well, you say, well, wait a minute now. You know, it's just me, little old me. I, you know, I live in my little neighborhood or my apartment, and, you know, I work where I work. How am I going to reach the whole county? You reach the county like you reach anything. It's one person at a time. Well, you know, I reached somebody. That's not really significant. How do you know that? How do you know that? Because the impact you might have may be greater than you realize. But here's my point. Here's what I want you to see. Don't think that you don't have a part in the story. The story's still going on. You have a part in the story. Realize that. Call it the Christmas story. Call it the Easter story. Whatever. Call it whatever you want to. It's all the same story. You have a part in the story. Do you recognize it? Do you see your part? To live your life for Jesus wherever you're at? To share with others because you don't know what that impact's even going to be? Do you understand what I'm saying? That, my friends, 
is the greater story of Christmas. The greater story of Christmas is you. You. Think about that. Thank you for being with us this morning. And we trust that today's message has been both challenging and an encouragement to your heart. At Kerwinsville Christian Church, a warm welcome is always extended to you. We're located at 700 State Street, Kerwinsville, Pennsylvania. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on the web at www.kerwinsvillechristian.org. Now, on behalf of George Cannon and the entire church family, we hope that you will look to the Heavenly Father in all that you face this coming week.